Welcome to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. This podcast by Kevin Paneskis, also known as the Property Soldier, covers all aspects of serviced accommodation and how to make it a profitable and sustainable business. Kevin started investing in property in 1991 whilst serving in the British Army and now owns a multi-million pound property portfolio and serviced accommodation business and is a best-selling author. And now your host, Kevin Paneskis. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Service Accommodation Property Podcast. And today we are going to have Shimon Rudich, who is a, a lawyer, he's a solicitor, he has his own law firm, he's an investor, he's a, a prolific property investor. He specializes or he has an in-depth knowledge on lease options, and but not just lease options, multiple acquisition strategies into property investing. So not just how you acquire them, but this presentation is also going go into how you keep them. Okay. And that's a really, really fundamental, it's sort of end-to-end stuff. Now I first met Shimon. You might not remember this, Shimon. Um, I met met you nine years ago at a property event, uh, which I first saw Shimon talk about lease options and it absolutely blew my mind as an acquisition strategy. And so I used Shimon's law firm, MS Law, to do my very first lease option, which I used to actually do buy to let with that property. And spookily enough, that property is now being used as service combination and I have the option to buy that property that was drawn up nine years ago um, by MS Law. So it's my absolute pleasure to introduce onto the stage for you all, my very good friend, Shimon Rudich. Good afternoon. So who's Shimon Rudich? As Kevin very kindly mentioned, I'm a solicitor. Uh, that, not that is the most important thing, but that is I started my career in a professional way. Until then, I guess I was a student or doing nothing. Uh, I'm also a property investor. Uh, I bought my first property 17 years ago when uh, I was still a trainee solicitor. I knew nothing. I was as green as green, and, uh, uh, but it was the first property. And uh, I actually often hear people telling me, oh, it was much easier when you started buying. Now, it's much easier now. When I started buying, they weren't courses. They weren't manuals uh, and anything like that. So you are very spoiled people. If you don't make money from properties, the problem is you. Simple. <laughs> because you don't have excuse. I Meaning you can make any excuse. Oh, I don't have the time, I don't have the money, but it's excuses. I'm also a property educator. I've been teaching for over a decade. Uh, courses and things like that. I, I don't run courses anymore. And I've wrote manuals, um, articles, and for magazines. Uh, I'm a great believer on multiple sources of income uh, because you shouldn't have money coming only from one source. It's not particularly wise. Happily married, eight children. And you understand now the multiple source of income need. And, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and in case, uh, the first, before you ask me, yes, I don't have a TV. And uh, I'm a, a charity fundraiser uh, for the simple reason that I benefit from charities. So you see me now as a solicitor, entrepreneur, or whatever. Uh, but uh, when I first came in this country 24 years ago, in case you didn't notice the accent, I'm Italian. Uh, I didn't have a penny, so I was studying 
law at Manchester University. I was living in Salford. I couldn't even afford the bus. So I used to bike every day to Manchester Uni. And if you know Manchester, it's not fun biking because when it's not raining, it's snowing. And uh, I used to live in a place that perhaps you call it an HMO. It was me and around a dozen pigeons at the beginning, <laughs> which I had to evict of something. And the place didn't have a bath. Much. To be fair, there was a bath, but green wasn't the original color. So uh, I had to get friendly with the guy that was running the local public bathhouse to have a shower every night when I was biking home. Situation has changed, but I haven't forgotten organization that helped me when I didn't have money. And so that is why I changed the furniture. So what are we, oh, I think you have to lower the, uh, okay. So what are we going to talk today? Uh, the talk is divided in two parts, not 50-50 in any event. It's the, we're looking at first, uh, to, you have to understand that when you look at properties, in reality, you're looking as an investor at two halves that work together. The first half is how you acquire properties, whether you buy them outright uh, uh, or you rent and then do something with them, or you do lease options or other strategies like assisted sale or whatever. And that is the first part. Once you have acquired the property or you control the property, you decide what to do. Either you sell it, you keep it, you rent it, single let, HMO, Saves accommodations. So I'm not going to teach you saves accommodations. I'm, I'm not experienced as Kevin in any form of shape. And uh, I'm actually, as I used to be, I came here as a student. Uh, maybe he said that he wasn't in this building, the course, the progressive course. And uh, 18, around 18 months ago, as it happens, Kevin was, did the slot on his options. And, uh, and uh, I still remember. And uh, uh, so I, the idea that you have to understand it is n you never learn enough. There's always something new that you can learn. And I was about to start works on one of my commercial conventions to make into HMOs. And then I thought, hmm, you know what? Change your plan <laughs> and it's going to be service accommodation, which I was going to show you. So the first part is going to show you uh, how this option is going to be useful for you when you want to do service accommodations and how to acquire properties, and then you decide. And then the last part, the, the smaller, the, the, I'm going to show you actually my scissor accommodation projects, so you can see how you put in practice ideas, because if you go to courses like this one, and then you don't buy properties, you're, you're a waste of space because, you know, <laughs> besides the fact that you did, you're not making money, you're not keeping my law firm busy. I'm expecting you to become all my clients, eh? And, and so, no, 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 guys, you have to understand that you're not here for fun. You're here to make money. So if you don't start buying properties on a regular basis, uh, then you're doing something wrong. And as I said before, the problem is you. You have to understand what you're doing wrong. So the default process is you're buying lots of properties. Yeah? And you make a lot of money. That is what you have to come out, out to the mm -hmm. course and do. So first of all, what do you do when you dispose of property? Once you we start from the back. You can sell it, rent it to a single let property, rent it as an HMO, like this, this small cash flow, or you do sales accommodation and holiday lets. Yes, these are your options. Now, how do you acquire the properties, which we are going to concentrate in our talk today? You can buy them in a normal way. No, either cash or buy to let, or with a mortgage, buy to let mortgage. 
or you do a rent to rent or rent to service accommodation in this case, yeah, or you lease them if they're commercial because the residential property you shouldn't lease it unless you bought it cash because otherwise you're breaching all your mortgage conditions, or you do a lease option on the property or other advanced lease option strategies that we are going to see some of them later on today. So let's enter into the topic. What is a lease option? A lease option is the right, but not the obligation to buy property. So for example, you will have the right, you get a right on buy number 13 marketplace for a fixed amount of money, say 100,000 pounds, for a fixed amount of, within a fixed amount of time, within the next six months, six years, or 16 years. In the meantime, you will also have the right to occupy the property, either to put tenants already, or to do something with the property, refurbishing, converting it, yeah? With rights comes obligations, so you will promise the vendor, for example, that you pay mortgage payments, the maintenance is on you, come what's made, tenants pay me or not, I still pay you, fixed amount of money or your mortgage, the maintenance on me, leave, roof leaks, it's on me. Kids break a window, it's on me. And that is the trade-off, because you give the peace of mind to the vendor. Now, why is this so good? Can anyone tell me why is this so good? Raise your hand. Okay, first gentleman at the back there. Microphone. Oh. It gives you the option of taking advantage of capital growth. Potentially. Well, it depends how long is your lease option, because maybe six months is not going to be a lot of capital growth in six months. Yeah, any other reason why it's good? There was... A the back, sorry, erase it before you. <laughs> Try before you buy. Sorry? Try before you buy. Try. <laughs> I mean, you check it if it works, if you don't, you give it back. Yeah. Uh, potentially, although it's not a question you give it back right away, you still have promised to keep it for the next number of years. But uh, uh, yeah, any other reason? Okay, let's see a lady. You get the property at a pre-fixed price Oh, at the current state it what it is so in a year or five years time or at the end of the lease you could have quite Very good. quite so, a profit uh, the nice lady here i have no idea what's her name sorry sorry and uh, no i'm old i cannot read all the way there <laughs> especially went all the way down <laughs> so what she's saying is that you take advantage of the fact that over time the property goes up or maybe you do something on the property that goes up in value and you benefit on the extra value. So le let's recap the ideas. First of all, you can take the property at a price that you want now, which actually is not necessary that is the value now, because you can offer, think about this benefit, you can offer the vendor more than what is worth the property in theory. Can you do that? Because you're not paying it. We will see in, a, in with few strategies why it's worth offering more. So can you see how when you deal with the vendor, instead of having to browbeat the vendor on the price, you can offer him what he wants. Is it not much easier this way to negotiate it? Think when you do your marketing. You do marketing when you buy properties, yeah? But the, the most simple, and I'm not going to teach you marketing now, but the most simple form of marketing leaflets. When you put in a leaflet, more or less property leaflets are all the same. We buy cash, we are very fast, we pay up to what? 80%, 90% of value? Yeah, you put that? Yeah? What do you think that they're looking at? Your leaflet with 80 or 90% or my leaflet when I say I pay 110%? Can you see why? And they say, whoa, 110, let's go to Shimon. Am I lying? No, you will see why I can offer more. So can you see all these benefits? You don't have to get a mortgage, maybe you cannot get a mortgage, maybe the property is not mortgageable, 
you don't have to come up with the money because you didn't buy it yet. So there are many benefits. First, now we are going to now look at some advanced strategies. Yeah, the first strategy for tonight is the ugly duckling. You have two pictures here. I know the people on the podcast cannot see it, but what do you think is missing in the first picture? A kitchen, absolutely. House without without kitchen means what? No mortgageable. So this property, guys, maybe many of you live down south, but I buy in the north, so my properties are cheap. I appreciate that what I pay for a property in the north, you pay a pair of shoes in Kent. <laughs> and but I know people that paid more in their cars than what I pay for houses. Huh? So house without a mortgage was unmortgageable, was on the market for almost a, t a, a year. Three kids had it, I mean, they inherited for grandpa, and we're doing nothing with this property. I mean, I mean, kids, but they were in their 20s, huh? I'm just jealous. And uh, probably was going nowhere, because the higher offer they had was, uh, if I remember correctly, was 35,000 pounds, but there was an outstanding mortgage of 40,000 pounds, so not very useful. So it's going nowhere. Do you think I offered them 45,000 pounds that are interested now? Yeah, it's good for them. If I tell them uh, I'll buy it in 10 years time though, do you think they're still interested? No, because most people want to see the money quicker, right? That is one of the problems with some people that teach these options. Some people that teach these options will tell you to have these options as long as possible. No, if it's not necessary, why doing that? Besides, even if the kids are willing to wait 10 years, Will you rather make money in 10 years time or in six months time? Six months, right? Yeah. So do you see why some people teach this option without understanding how we really make money? So how do I make money here in six months, within six months? Well, it doesn't take me years to put a new kitchen, repaint, recarpet a two bedroom house, does it? How much would it cost me up north? It just costs over 3,000 pounds. So purchase price 45,000 pounds, which I didn't pay for. 3,000 pounds to do it up. And we sold it for 75. How much is my profit? 27? Yeah? Good result? Yeah. Now, let me ask you this question. Could you have done, make the same amount of money without having to do this option and just buy it, do it up and resell it? Yeah, right? You can do it that way too. What's the difference with just do it in the normal way or my way? In the normal way, you need 48,000 pounds. My way, you need only three. Now, let's say that you have 50,000 pounds in your pocket. You can do either one property per time, this in the normal way, or 16 my way. Which one is better? <laughs> can you see that? Yeah. Do you think that there are properties in the areas where you invest that are not mortgageable? So how many of them have you converted to money? You know why not? I'll tell you why not. Chuf, 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 because you're train spotting, guys. There are plenty of properties out there. It's not lack of properties. It's not lack of opportunities. It's you, the reason why it doesn't buy properties. Can you see that? Yeah. Do you want to see another strategy? Yeah. This is slice and dice. So here you have a Victorian, four bedroom, semi-detached house, front door, uh, double bay window. You know these kind of properties? You've been inside one, you see them all. So what's the story here? Here you had an accidental landlord. Someone that was, I don't remember if he was in IT or a doctor or something like that. Well, someone was making a lot of money and bought two properties over the years. He didn't know what he was doing. He was lucky that in this property, he had the same family 
for six years, I think, with four kids, once they move out, the property needs everything again. And he went to a normal builder, they took him by the nose, they told, yeah, yeah, we need 15,000 pounds here. He didn't need 15,000 pounds. But although he was making a lot of money, typical person in, in our generation, as soon as they have money, they spend it. So he didn't put money aside. So I thought it would take me more or less three months to get 15,000 pounds to do it up. In the meantime, I put it on the market. If I find an idiot willing to buy it, I sell it. Why do you think he needs an idiot? Because once done up, the property is worth 200,000 pounds. So how much does he put it on the market for? 200,000 pounds. So is it realistic in funding a buyer? No. Do you think he found an idiot willing to pay 200,000 pounds for it? No, we mean no, yes. I would have paid even more than 200,000 pounds here. Because what do you think I can do here? Do I raise your hands because, you know, any, one person raise your hands? I did if one person never saw me speaking, otherwise it's cheating. <laughs> okay, lady here. Wait, 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 wait. Get the microphone. Title split. What do you mean by that? No, no, no. I want to know exactly what you're doing, how, how, and figures. Uh, I'm not sure about the figures, but you can split it into two houses. Two houses. Did you not see the name of the title? I gave you two hints. You're in the right way, but not enough. Because... Um. I call it slice and dice. I wasn't referring to Domino Pizza. <laughs> slice and dice. So you added in four flats. But the best hint was the description of the property. This property, this kind of property is all the same. Thank you, by the way. You have front door, corridor in the middle of the house, two rooms at the front, two rooms at the back, and this staircase in the middle of the house, and the same thing upstairs. So it's not that difficult to convert the housing, one flat on the right, one flat on the left, and the same thing upstairs. Because when you want to create flats, uh, you need, of course, space, but also you try not to move as many walls as possible. It cost us, bear in mind that it was several years ago, so it was cheaper at the time, but also the prices of the houses were cheaper, around the 45, 40, 45,000 pounds to do it up, to convert it in flats. We got valuations for each flat for around 100,000 pounds, just over. We sold them for 85, 85, 85 and 75. Because when you try to sell flats, unless properties, unless we say flat, unless you are on Baker Street in the north, it takes a bit of time. But also, if you want to sell them all four, you have to offer discounts. In any event, 85, 85, 85, 75. Anyone good in math? Very good. So we speaking before. <laughs> Cheat. 330, less 200, <laughs> less 45. How much is the profit? Anyone? 85? Yeah? 85,000 pounds is a good result? Yeah? You can be a bit more enthusiastic, huh? Yeah. If you really insist, uh, go on. I will have your 85,000 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> Only if you twist my arm, you know? <laughs> How can I make more than 85,000 pounds here? What else can I do here? No, 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 I'm selling it, so I don't do sales accommodation. In this case, I was selling. I mean, I could keep it, and they tell me wrong. I would keep it. I'm, I'm not a vendor. I, I think I flipped in 17 years as an investor two properties altogether. And uh, I, I don't believe in selling. I, I'm playing Monopoly, guys. I don't see the money coming in. I don't see the money going out. And, and have you ever seen anyone play Monopoly and winning? 
by selling. Yeah, so you buy. <laughs> uh, so how do I make more money than 85,000 pounds here? Sorry? No, I already sold them. The freehold. Guys, we sold four leaseholds here. We created four leaseholds and then we sold them. The freehold has a value. Since we created the leaseholds, we thought it was fair that each leaseholder should pay every year 250 pounds to the freeholder. So the freehold makes 1,000 pounds a year. If you put the freehold that makes 1,000 pounds a year in an auction like Barnum Marcus, for example, you should get around 15,000 pounds, which is now runs up to 100,000 pounds. Yeah, be better. Now pay attention. I give you a very important tip now. Six-digit figure profit is always better than five. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there are nice big Victorian houses or in the areas where you invest? Yeah. So how many of them have you converted into money without buying them? No. Can you hear it coming? Choof, 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 choof. You're transporting guys. There are the properties there. Can you see now? Can you start to understand why I'm saying that the problem is you? It's not the market. It's not the properties. It's you. Would you like to see another strategy? Yeah. The IMOC. This is what I like to call it like an impossible deal. So what's the story here? So you have a three-bed and terrace, X council. Can you see the difference in bricks? X council house, three bedroom and, and terrace. And the vendor wanted 51,000 pounds. The price was be at best worth 60. Will I pay 51,000 pounds for 60,000 pounds? No, but you know, have you seen so far? The, the price becomes irrelevant. It's what I can do with it that is more important. When I asked him why I wanted to sell it, he's facing repossession. So I already knew that 51,000 pounds, not enough. Indeed, you know, people that face possession tend to forget arrears, debts, everything like that. Another 7,000 pounds worth of arrears, various different debts, electricity, council, anything. So in fact, it was in negative equity. No big deal. I can pay more if I, I can do something with it. But what can I do with it? Can I convert it in flats? No, this is not big enough to convert it for flats. If you convert it to flats, well, first, harder would be convincing the council because it's a row ex-council houses, which was unlikely. But even if I can, the cost of converting in flats is not worth it because maybe I spent 30,000 pounds in making two flats. Each flat was 50,000 pounds. Where is the profit? There's no profit. Okay, maybe I can do something with the land, different strategy. No, there is no land, expensive house. This is the backyard, this happens, which is bigger than the front yard. Front yard is pretty in inexistent. And uh, can I do something else, maybe the side of the building? No, not really. Can I make it to an HMO? There are three bedrooms. There is only one lounge downstairs, three bedrooms upstairs, of which in this kind of houses, as you know, the third one is, is a shoebox. It's where you put the cot. In fairness, instead of being square, as you usually find it, it was narrow and long. So we managed to put a bed, but that's it. You couldn't even put a bedside table, let alone a wardrobe. Indeed, even the door it was opening only 45 degrees and then hits the bed, and then you die for the bed. <laughs> now, room like this, you can rent them on Baker Street or around there, but not up north. And so no HMO, no flats. What else can I do? Shall I do a normal vanilla lease option? 10 years, what do you say? Who will, okay, let's play a game. You have to choose 
the red pill or the blue pill? You cannot say no to any. Red pill is, shall we do a 10 years lease option? The blue pill is, no, we don't do the 10 years lease option, or 10 years, or 7 years, whatever. We do something else. There is no option of letting Bobby get in repossessed. So who says 10 years lease option? Raise your hands. I'm going to get a lot of people give me an, an alternative, I see. Eh? <laughs> okay, okay, who says we don't do a long lease option? What do we do? Who says no long lease options? Someone is cheating here, big time. <laughs> So raise your hands up. Who says no long lease option? Okay, gentlemen there. What do we do then? And now, <laughs> there was a, if you don't know what to do, you have to go on the long lease option. How do you transfer ownership of the property without buying it? You have to buy it. You have to pay the lender. I wouldn't pay the lender now for more than market value, would I? Anyone? What can we do? Gentlemen there. Second, microphone coming. Good job, we have Kevin that is thin and fit. Could you do an assisted sale? Well, sorry, is, that is a different <coughs> strategy. But in any event, how can you do an assisted sale? Can well, the, the, the gentleman here is saying that you do an assisted sale. Okay, roll me up an assisted sale. Now tell me, how do you work as an assisted sale here on the figures? So the properties were 60. In order for you to buy, you have to put more than 60. So yeah, you have to find someone that will buy it for more than what you buy it to make a profit, yeah. why should anyone pay more than 60,000 pounds when it's worth well, only 60? Once you've done it up, right? No, no, it's already in, in decent conditions. Oh, okay, I don't know then. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, no, tell me wrong, there are people that teach crazy strategies. Don't tell me wrong. I once heard for a strategy like this, someone, I won't mention names, someone quite known in the community, saying, oh, you know what you do? A property is in negative equity, negative cash flow. You put a tenant, a tenant buyer. They will pay more than what is worth it and more, and, and more than what is worth renting it for. Or you find the vendor that, uh, say, fact, if the tenant buyer moves out, you're stuck with the lemon because who's paying the mortgage here? And, uh, or you find the vendor to agree to chip in on the mortgage payments. So let me understand that. You're telling the vendor, I'm paying you nothing now. Of course, I'm not paying you anything at, at the end also because you know, you're already negative equity. But you have to chip in on the mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> How do you convince it? Let's say that you're the best negotiator on earth and he says yes. After three months, he eventually wakes up and says, what am I doing? He's slapping himself three times and says, F off. <laughs> I'm not paying anymore. And then you're stuck with the lemon. Can you see? Now, I'll tell you what we do here. First of all, let's try the category. Who will do now? If you cannot do some other strategies, shall we go back on the long lease option? Anyone that doesn't raise their hands on a long lease option has to tell me why not. So who wants to do a long lease option? You see how you put the pressure? <laughs> Chicken. Okay, let's go. Who will still not do a long lease option? Gentlemen, there no long lease option. Answer me why not. Is there some mileage pre-repossession to negotiate down the mortgage through having a lease option period? Well, first you have to stop a repossession, yeah? Secondly, the first lender will not agree necessarily because they only own 25,000 pounds, the second 26. So in case you have to negotiate with the, with the second lender. So now what we did here as it happens, 
is we convince the lender to go from capital repayments on interest only. So instead of paying, as it happens, for those of you who wanted to do a long lease option, can I say that you're not very wise? Because you didn't even check how much is the mortgage payments. So you're willing to pay the mortgages on this property without knowing how much it is. Now, for those of you that are willing to do that, that is my email address here. <laughs> I have a lot of properties for you. <laughs> because indeed here, the mortgage payments were 306 on the first loan, 660 on the second one. But if you rent it to the DSS, the DSS there it was 620. As the opposite went down. <laughs> so you will be losing, in full occupancy, 346 pounds. Of course, if there is no tenant, you're losing even more. So it's not wise to do a long lease option here because you're losing money every month. So what you have to do is negotiate. We have negotiated. Don't tell me wrong. It's not easy, especially nowadays, particularly difficult to negotiate with banks. So instead of paying 306, we pay 61. Instead of paying 660, we pay 132. So instead of paying a total of 966 pounds on mortgages, we only pay 193. Can you see the difference? Instead, we turn around the deal, instead of losing 346, we are now making, uh, uh, now making 427 pounds. A turnaround of 773 pounds a month without having to spend money to convert it in flats, in HMOs, or anything like this, just by using our brains. Now, if the lender doesn't agree to go on capital repayments, which interest only, as it happens, you have to know how to do it. What do you do? You give up? Because I had a very similar scenario a few months after this one, by chance. The second lender refused to go on capital and interest only, which was suicide for them, because they would not get all the money in repossession. So what I did, I actually threatened to go to court. And uh, I put uh, uh, a letter. I got, uh, actually, a barrister to write for me, because I'm, I'm not a litigator. I told him what I wanted, and she said, okay, fair enough. I found a problem in the mortgage. I think there was a, I didn't think that I would win, but I managed to scare them enough because says, not only we don't think you, we should pay you this, we don't think we, we owe you nothing because we think that your contract is invalid. And so do you think I scared them enough then? So instead of 33,000 pounds, they were willing to pay, uh, settle it then for 13,000 pounds. Now, 60% discount is always nice. And, and then we bought it. Uh, we, we got an option. We paid them. We exercised the option. We bought it. And we kept it. So as long as you have the right attitude that there is often a solution, and you know what you're doing, meaning you have as many strategies as possible, you can make money. Otherwise, you won't. Do you think there are properties that are in uh, negative equity or facing possessions in the areas where you invest? Yeah? So how many of them have, you, how many people you've saved from repossession and made money? I think it's the time for the 240 coming from London. Chuf, 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 chuf. Yeah, try spotting, guys. Now, very briefly, this is a, a storage millionaire. Here's a piece of land in a nice location, but not worth building on. Because up north, often, you find properties cheaper then what it costs to build them. I mean, if you build a nice block, tower block of flats is one thing, but here you don't get a block of flats. I mean, you won't get plenty permission. So what do you do with a piece of land that is nice location, is worth to build maybe in 10 years' time, but it's not worth buying it now? You do an option on the property.
So the vendor wanted 200,000 pounds. It was not worth 200,000 pounds. What we did, we offered him 220. Do you think that is interesting now? Yeah. And we told him, you know, but we paid you in a few years' time. It happens. We wanted 10 years, but we did 5 plus 5. That is a different <laughs> negotiation techniques we speak another time. <laughs> we offered him 650 pounds a month. For a piece of land, it was not, not only not making money to them, it was costing them. So can you see why it's good for them? Why is it good for me? Yes, in 10 years' time I can build, but in the meantime I have to do something with the piece of land, otherwise I lose money. So we put storage containers, you know, those ugly metal boxes at the back of lorries. You can rent them out for around 40 pounds a month, but you can in bulk, in bulk. But you can hide them out on a one-to-one -one basis for around 100 pounds a month. So 5,000, 50 of them is 5,000 5, pounds rent coming in. Less than 650, you promise the owner of the land. Less than 2,000 pounds for you to hire these containers means that you're making 2,350 pounds a month, which is 28,200 pounds a year. After 10 years, it's 282,000 pounds. And you still haven't done anything with the land. 10 years' time, you can decide to build it, or if you don't want to play Bob the Builder, you sell it. We got in our drawings uh, an idea of between houses and flats, 20 units here. We believe that in 10 years' time, it was worth 3 million pounds, the project. So if I want to sell the land, how much I can make from the land? There is an easy rule of thumb about developers that says a third, a third, and a third. A third is the value of the land, a third is the cost of the land uh, to develop it, and a third is the profit for the developer. So on that basis, the land should be worth around 1 million pounds. But how much can I buy it for? 220 because I secured it 10 years earlier. So I make 780,000 pounds profit on the land, which on top of the 282, congratulations, you millionaires. I know you're not because chuf chuf. <laughs> you're still transporting. Guys, we, you asked me question in the questions. Uh, there is a slot for questions specifically for just questions. And uh, can you see that? Do you believe that there are pieces of land anywhere around you? Because unless you just stay in your house and you never get out, there are. And you must have passed land that has not been developed. But you never thought about, oh, maybe I can do something with this piece of land. Can you see what is the problem again? Okay, last strategy, EDC, exchange with delay completion. Who knows what is an exchange with delay completion? Okay, gentlemen there. Oh, you already answered once. Yeah, white shirt. He didn't speak, the guy with the white shirt. Otherwise, it's always you, isn't it? It's not fair. <laughs> so you, uh, you agree to buy the property. You will exchange contracts. But there'll yes. be a period between exchanging and completing, which will allow you to do whatever it is you want to do with the property. Very good. So the gentleman says, we exchange now. We compete as a future. Instead of competing within the same day or within four weeks, you compete maybe in six months' time or six years' time. And in the meantime, you have control of the property. You can do something with the property, whatever you want. It sounds like a lease option. What's the difference? Microphone back. You committed to buy with this one. Ah, you commit to buy. And if you don't buy, what happens? They punch you in the face. <laughs> Is this what happens? What happens if you don't buy? <laughs> you will probably lose your deposit. You lose your deposit. Have you noticed how much is officially usually my deposit on my lease options? The famous one pound. But is, is, is it, it's actually important that you mention that because independently of how much you deposit, 
For standard condition says for residential property in this country, there is as a clause that says that independent of how much is the deposit, if you don't compete, you have to pay 10%. However, if you use the right solicitors, I can recommend someone if you want, <laughs> <laughs> and you ask them to remove that clause, then perhaps you don't have to pay the deposit, right? So if you don't have the 10% to pay, does it become, does it mean that a lease option and exchange rate competition are the same, same thing? Yes. No, what do you mean no? <laughs> Guys, 10 years, 8 years, 9 years, whatever. Around 8, 9 years ago, I wrote a set of manuals with other two famous guys with 54 different strategies. They weren't the same strategy with 54 different names. It's a different strategies. There are differences between a lease option and a, and, and a change with a competition. Now, I'm not giving you all the uh, differences today because otherwise Kevin is going to kick me. And, but I give you two important differences for you to understand today. The first one is the taxes difference. So if you're doing up and then you sell it, you have to see which one is better for you. The second difference is there are some vendors that can't do any lease option, but they might be able to do an exchange with a competition. And the two examples that I give you tonight is, the first one is probate. Probate cannot do a lease option, but they might agree, the trusting probate, for a short exchange with a, com with a completion. So if you just need to do it up, it can work. And the second example is councils. Do you know that council sells houses in this country? They're not necessarily there to begin with. Often the properties like this one, do you see in the picture? Dilapidated property. The property was empty for 18 years as it happens. So the council repossessed it. It got possession through a CPO, compulsory purchase order, and then they wanted to sell it. Why do you think council acquired this property and then sell them? Anyone? They need the money here. No, they don't need the money. Indeed, I mean, they might need the money. They don't do it for the money. I bought this property for less than what the council paid for. And the reason why they do it is to save lives. Because what happens when a property is empty in this country? Kids break in. So the first thing is the baller goes. So 18 years ago, the baller was stolen. Then the next thing is pipes. You know? And next is they started to maybe trade stolen goods, drugs. What is the ultimate level? Indoor barbecues. Because, you know, they like to have the barbecues or they fall asleep with the joints. Or, you know, there is no heating. We need to warm up ourselves. We start a little fire. And never mind that in this country, houses are built with wood. And, <laughs> and I remember the first time I came to this country and I saw houses built in wood and says, they run out of cement. Because <laughs> in Italy, everything is built in cement. So the, and is, we are not concerned about these kids starting out the fire for themselves, because maybe society is better off without them, is that these houses <laughs> are never like detached houses in the countryside, are terrace houses, semi-detached houses. This one in particular, you see, they're Victorian houses. Means that between the ground floor and the first floor, solid two bricks. But in the loft and, in the, and under the floor, because suspend the floor, the brickwork is porous. So long before the fire will reach the neighbor, the smoke will kill the neighbors. So the main reason why they do that is to save lives. So if you understand that, you understand how to win the council. Because they want to make sure that you actually do something with the property, as opposed to we want to make money. So let me show you this beautiful property. Can you see? There was the furniture. I think there was a dead uh, pigeon here. This is uh, air conditioning. 
this is skylight, always useful. When you uh, I took this picture so I could say there is a kitchen officially mortgageable. <laughs> so nice case of now you sit, now you don't. Uh, Victorian house, over 100 years old, with subsidence, never anyone bothered to fix it. So it was so bad by now that uh, it wasn't enough to tell the council, yes, we, we do it up. We had to propose to the council, and without proposing that one, we wouldn't have got it. We knocked down 40% of the building and rebuilt it. Ta-da! Uh, here you see, foundations, my building team, cheaper this way. <laughs> now with eight kids, two building teams. <laughs> Uh, then up, looks a bit better, doesn't it? Eh? So instead of four-bedroom house, we can seven-bedroom HMO. And so door my window on the top. I don't need planning permission for that. I mean, I could have done flats, but I had only a sp fixed period of time. I didn't know if I get planning permission for that. While certainly I get planning permission for the HMO with generous here. The first thing cost was around 90,000 pounds. Purchase price was 20,000 pounds. They cancelled bought it for 34. And they chose the price to pay the rent, kind of. And my offer wasn't the highest one, but I knew exactly what to tell the council, what to tell them, what to put in the proposal. Of course, if someone offered two million pounds, they would say, sorry, Shimon. But as long as the difference is not huge, I know that I will win every time. That's the reason why I don't mind showing this strategy even to invest or to invest in my same town. You're no competition. And <laughs> man, I hope one day you become, because I wasn't born like this, you know, I learned it like everybody else. And God very kindly eh, sent me clever ideas. Besides, I don't buy residentials anymore. Market value as a four bedroom house once done up 190,000 pounds, so potentially uh, 80,000 pounds equity. As an HMO, seven bedrooms worth a quarter of a million, so 140,000 pounds equity. But more important is the cash flow, because the cash flow that brings money on the table. If you don't sell it, it's irrelevant how much equity you have there. Once paid the rent, managing company, utilities, and whatever, 1,400 pounds every month. You don't need many properties like this to become financially free, even if you're married. And <laughs> <laughs> now, let's start this. Very briefly, because I think we are running out of time. My project. So uh, two years ago, I decided that I got bored with these options, with the residential properties. Uh, I'm having a creative mind means that I like to do things new every time. And I cannot do the same thing again and again and again. So I will never become perfect on something, because long before I get there, I got bored and moved to something else. So uh, two years ago, I decided to do uh, commercial conversions. I studied the market. and. Uh, Unfortunately, I couldn't go to any course because they were always weekend. Being an Orthodox Jew, I cannot go to Saturday courses. So I, I, I look at a couple of project, uh, commercial properties. I bought a few. And the first couple converted in HMOs. Then I got one. Then this one, one week before getting planning permission for two HMOs, two five-bedroom HMOs and a flat, I went to Christian's accommodation course or Progressive. And although I knew already the strategy, what I didn't like about the sales accommodation was the time involved. Because I want to work less, not work more. Sales accommodation, whether you understand it or not, is much more work than single lets. And I don't want a job for life. I want to work, no, never. So, and, uh, 
But I, I saw that I didn't know that there were agents there was a, that will run it for me, and I don't have to do anything. That was the first thing that I actually I liked about Swiss accommodations. The other thing that I liked about Swiss accommodation, which most of you would not as much appreciate it, was the uh, capital allowance. For me, tax is important. Now, if you buy residential properties and you get a single property, to, it doesn't apply. Buy buy commercial properties and convert them, so there is a lot of much more capital allowance that I can use. So one week before getting planning permission, this is in Berry, by the way, in case you know Berry, I told I call my architect and says, I need you to do new drawings and submit to the council. I said, why? I said, because I changed my mind. Can we stick some flats there? How many? Came out with six flats, uh, four one bedroom, two, two, uh, uh, two bedrooms. We submitted them. We got planning permission for both things. And we did the flats, which is actually finishing, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks. We have some problems with the utilities. They had to close the road, but whatever. How much does it cost me this project? Around 330,000 pounds. Why would I buy a residential property if it cost me 330,000 pounds to have six flats? Can you see the leverage there? Final value, maybe around 450. I don't know. I don't care because I don't sell. And is it the, the final value is only important for the remortgage because uh, the money is not mine. I have joint venture partner that raised the money. We have to retain the money. And uh, rent value, net rent value, we aim for 60,000 pounds net per, year, per annum. I think it's reasonable with six flats. Second project, oh, look at this. Do you like this property? I'm sorry for the people on the postcard cannot see it. Isn't it beautiful? I got the first floor, second floor, third floor. This is, anyone knows Wigan here? Well, this is the city center. That is the most central spot in Wigan. This is Wallgate, number two Wallgate. That one that you see here in gray is actually the 15th century church in Wigan. And so it doesn't get more central than that. I got the first floor, second floor, third floor, and I'm going to, please God, work should be starting next week. Uh, six flats, sorry, so three two beds and three one beds. Each one bedroom flat I got valuation from the lender because I have money, around 70,000 pounds. How much do you think I built this beautiful listed Victorian building? Will you believe me if I tell you I paid 88,000 pounds for it? So why will I bother with residential properties? It's beautiful. <laughs> then I have my daughter say, oh, it's old. Well, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> this is the drawings. Oh, now I'm running out of time. If I have time, remind me, I'll teach you a trick how to get more money when you do something like that. Money from the lender, as it happens. Eh? Legally. <laughs> Another project is this one. You like this one? Isn't it not beautiful? I was surprised it wasn't all listed. And I saw it and I saw Southport. I said, I didn't even know where is Southport. I said, it's somewhere here. But uh, it was strata away from my usual investment area. But for a building like this, I thought it was worth it. They wanted 350,000 pounds for the restaurant downstairs. I said, keep it. Only interested upstairs was used to be a nightclub. So first floor, second floor, we are aiming to get 16 flats here. 10 one bedroom and six two bedrooms, please God. And value the project 1.1 million or thereabout, I don't know. Then you never know how much is worth it. How much do you think I picked the first floor and second floor here? 150? After I bought it, I found out there was a bit more than just a nightclub. And <laughs> 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 it was like that. <laughs> 
it was the council that told us, uh, because they were so eager that we redevelop it. I said, why are you so eager? Well, because the nature of the place. I said, nightclub. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> Estimated cash, net cash per annum at least 100,000 pounds. This is another project. This is Salford. Uh, this is actually going to be mixed. 11 bedroom HMO and six flats. Uh, this is in Walkden, in Salford. 550,000 pounds should be the cost of the project. Again, we're aiming for 100,000 pounds net cash flow. The last project I want to show you tonight, actually no, second last one, I think. This one, do you like this one? Isn't it beautiful? This one was actually very painful. I still waited for plane permission because it's not listed on the outside, even inside. At the beginning, uh, I mean, no one wanted to buy because historically, no, if you know Wigan and you know this place, uh, you know the council is very keen about this pub. It has historical values besides being listed. And uh, the, the last he living hero of Wigan used to own it, meaning the last guy that won uh, the rugby league with the Wigan team. And <laughs> no, once upon a time, heroes were like people going to war, but you know. And uh, so, chances that the council will agree to make it all in flats were nil. We actually find out that the council, when we spoke to the council, wasn't against it. Because we couldn't keep here the pub downstairs and put in flats on the first floor and second floor because there is only one entrance. So rule number one of uh, conversions, you cannot have one entrance for commercial and residential. You have to have two different entrances. List a building, you cannot put, make another entrance. You cannot make another hole. The council will never agree. So we thought we cannot do flats. Then they tell us you can do flats. In the meantime, we were thinking about it. And they realized, no, I actually keep the pub downstairs. And I make an hotel upstairs. You know, I already have flats. That's my first hotel, you know? <laughs> More exciting this way. But besides me, more exciting, look at the figures. As 11 bedroom flats and stage accommodations, the estimated GDV is 750,000 pounds, cost 550, and 90 pounds per night. Uh, okay, there are all these figures here. I, I'll just give you to the end. Estimated net cash flow, 89,000 pounds. It's good? Yeah. But look at an hotel, what does it come to? Or in, if you get a second person to rent the room, you get even more, 107. Only 20% uplift. If you run it six as a pub and six-bedroom hotel, the GDV is much less, it's 600,000 pounds maybe. The costs are also less, 340,000 pounds, which is good. But if you rent each room at 70 pounds per night, although some are smaller, some are bigger, but as an average, the net cash flow is 130,000 pounds. Can you see the huge difference? So. Most of you will choose an hotel because it makes more money. I chose the hotel because I didn't have any hotel. Again, we, we actually council confirmed that they're going to give us planning permission this week. We still didn't receive it. You know, emails from council takes forever. So we hope to get the planning permission finally next week or maybe tomorrow. And then when we start works. The last project, oh, you have to see this one. It's actually quite deep. It's beautiful. Again, in Wigan, as it happens. Uh, here, uh, it's more like we're getting a lease option on this property. And uh, we kind of agreed with the vendor uh, that we're giving 20,000 pounds deposit. And, uh, and, uh, we and we will compete only if we get planning permission from the council. And, uh, uh, but uh, here, plan A, plan A, we, we have plan A and plan B. The ideal scenario here is to put 24 flats and 22 bedroom uh, is very deep. 22 bedroom hotel without windows because there is a large area that doesn't have windows, which I cannot put flats there. There's no point to put offices because in Riga city center, there is more supply than demand of offices. 
And, but uh, uh, I appreciate that it's going to be very difficult for the council to agree to that. And uh, although a hotel doesn't have to wear windows, but I can see the council be reluctant. Plan, uh, plan B is to get 29 flats. And as 29 flats, the figures you have here. So if I do 22, uh, 24 uh, rooms, or 23 rooms, uh, 23, sorry, flats, plus 22 bedroom hotel, the GDV is 4 million pounds and the cost 2 million pounds. I, I haven't even calculated the cash flow because it's too early at this stage. But if I do plan number two as to uh, just flats, 29 flats, oh, ground floor is the restaurant and we are planning to put a gym in the basement. And uh, the development cost is 1.1 million pounds and the GDV is 2.5 million. How much is my purchase price here? My building is so big. 310. Now, I know that maybe in Kent you buy a pair of shoes or two. And but that is the reason why I like buying commercial properties. And, uh, and if I can do service accommodations. In fairness, with so many flats, they're not going to be all service accommodations because otherwise, it, it, it's Wigan, it's not, you know, Mayfair or, or Baker Street or <laughs> Blackfriars. So half of them will be service accommodation and half of normal tenancies. You also, you don't want, you want to edge your, your risk, so you do a bit of both. So what I showed you so far tonight, guys, is that if you have only one strategy in acquiring properties, you go nowhere. Because there are lots of deals out there that you are giving up. You're not even trying because you didn't have enough knowledge. So acquire as much knowledge as possible. Use it. Go out and do it. Use my law firm by all means. And make a lot of money. So is this the time to buy more properties or to go to sleep? <laughs> You're cool. Thank you. Opening the floor for questions. Yes. Yeah, go on. Hey, Shimon. Um, just, going, just going back to the um, council gig for 20 grand. The which one? Well, ah, well I suppose the, any, any the setup. The exchange with the competition. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, I think it was. Um, actually, it's a more general question. So when you go on a lease option. It was a lease option. There was an exchange with the completion, huh? Uh, yeah, maybe it was another scenario then. But okay, okay but well, you quoted the refurb. Refurb quote. You get the lease option. Yeah. Then there's refurb costs. Yes. Are you getting that money from a traditional bank for redevelopment that money, How or is I it get an money investor? It's not my property. Exactly. So are you going to an investor to bring in that cash? Well, depends how much I have to spend. If it's uh, like in the, the ugly duckling that I need the three thousand pounds, I think I can stretch it. Yeah. And <laughs> if uh, I'm doing uh, uh, something like the last project that I showed you just now, yeah. that uh, I will need maybe one million pounds to redevelop it, <laughs> no, I cannot stretch myself that far. I don't pretend to be a millionaire or whatever. I had joint venture partners that raise the funds. Yeah. So just as a, as a yeah. principle between that control, you can't really lend against it. You have to. Of course. Yeah. Great. If I find a way how to lend on your property and I get the money, I'll let you know. Well, it's about the JV, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Next question, gentlemen there. How do you get hold of that book with 52 strategies in that you mentioned? Ah, okay, that was not the point of the exercise. Uh, <laughs> if anyone wants to contact Shimon. Uh, that Shimon. is my email address. Shimon, what's your email address? It's Shimon at M for mother. Shimon is S for sugar, H for hotel, I for India, M for mother, O for Oscar, M for November, at M for mother, S for sugar, hyphen, F for Lima, A for Alpha, W for Whiskey, MS Law is my law firm, dot co dot UK. 
or just befriend me on Facebook and send me a, 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 a message on Messenger. Gentlemen at the back. Uh, you mentioned that we can, let's say, put lease option on the on the land. How do you estimate if there will be uh, enough demand for the storage place to put? You do. You, you 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 have to do your due diligence. You check if there is. I mean, of course, if the land is in the countryside with farms, no. <laughs> Besides fact that you won't get planning permission to put them. And but if you are near in in a town and uh, you have to see if there is any other provider nearby, any town there is demand for storage containers. You'll be surprised. I mean, any town has it, as it happens. In each, I mean, in matches there are several. And you check what is the competition. Then you check, uh, the, even if the competition nearby, you see how busy they are. If they are practically booked to, to the very top, means that there is most, like, like you do when you check um, if there is demand for flats or for sales accommodations. You look if there is competition in the area and what they do. Yeah, does it make sense? Yeah, pleasure. Anyone else? Come on, questions are free. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, for that first scenario. Um, for which scenario, sorry? The first uh, project. The ugly duckling. The lease option where you bought from a family. How did the family feel when you sold it for, was it was 75, wasn't it? Well, to be honest, how they feel it is, if you want to be ruthless, I'm not sure ruthless is the right thing, is how they feel it is irrelevant. They got what they wanted. I paid them more than what is worth the property. If you're really annoyed, you know, I'm sorry, something wrong with you. But I'm, I'm, I'm very direct. I'm, I'm a very blunt person, but I'm very direct, very honest. I tell people right away, they ask me, do you make a profit? Of course I'm making a profit. Do you think I'm a charity? <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, I had people, and you're right, I had people says, wouldn't do the deal because I was making a profit. Oh, but you're making a profit. Yes. And? Oh, no, then I know so you have to pay me. No. Or, or they wouldn't do a lease option and because I'm making a profit. Fine. You want to get repossessed? Get repossessed. What do I care? <laughs> so that, the, I, I, I had people that would rather get repossessed rather than me making a profit. But I was up front. I told them. I'm, I'm, I don't have to hide it. Also because they cannot do what I do. Does it make sense? Okay. Round of applause for Shimon, everyone. Thank, Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. If you have any suggestions on future content for this podcast, please message Kevin via his Facebook page, Property Soldier. 